Hey everyone, welcome to the Riverview Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. We'd love for you to join us more frequently. So before we get started, why don't you take a moment to subscribe to our podcast? Hello everyone, my name is Ken and it's such a privilege to be here with the Riverview family. It's not the way that I anticipated that uh, I'd come and spend some time with the Riverview Perth family, uh, but this is the way that it is. And I really hope that you're staying safe and that you are uh, connecting in and uh, interacting online wherever you're watching, either locally or overseas. We're just praying that God's presence will fill your living room, fill your bedroom, fill your entertainment room, wherever you might be watching this in whatever time zone that you're in right now. Firstly, I'd just like to give my uh, very uh, my, my very earnest thanks to the Riverview leadership team, the executive team and the senior leadership team for having me. And this is an enormous privilege for me to gather around the Word of God with you today, uh, wherever you might be watching. And Riverview is a very special church. It's a church that has a very special place in my heart. And I sat on the board here for some years and uh, just really great to see all the great things that God is doing with this church. I'm so excited for its future as well. But today uh, we're gonna come into the text of Mark chapter five. We're gonna unpack uh, an incredible account here in the gospel of Mark, reading from verse 21 of Mark chapter five. The passages of scripture are gonna appear on your screen now, it says this, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around Him while He was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, he came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at His feet. He pleaded earnestly with Him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Verse 30, at once Jesus realised that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What an incredible account. It's full of drama, uh, it's rich in revelation. And today I wanna speak to you on the thoughts, something that I felt to to give to to Riverview Church today. Uh, And I wanna get our heads around this thought. What do you believe about Him? What do you believe about Him? Look, let's be honest, when 2021 started, the last thing we would have anticipated, particularly if you're living in Western Australia, was that we would find ourselves in lockdown again. Maybe you're watching this somewhere around the world where you haven't uh, had your restrictions lifted. You know, who would have thought that we would enter into this particular season with so much uncertainty? And the the sense that I, I get is that God is actually challenging His church in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of difficulty, He's actually challenging us about what we actually believe about Him. The reason why this is so critical is because I believe that there's a difference between believing in Him and believing rightly about Him. All of relationships are actually based on what we believe about 
a person. See, when you believe in Jesus, you receive eternal life and and your uh, eternal destiny is assured. But what you believe about Him will predetermine your experience of Him while you're here on the earth. And Jesus came to die and rise again so that He can have an effect and influence not just your eternal destination, but your experience of Him here on earth. And what you believe about Jesus will have a profound impact on the way that you interact and your experience of Him while you are walking out your Christian journey here on earth. All of human relationships are based on what we believe about a person. Zach Gagler is somewhere in the room with me today. And what I believe about Zach will predetermine how I interact with him and the kind of relationship that I have with him. If I believe, and this is completely hypothetical and it's not true at all, but if I did believe that Zach was an unethical person, he is a, he's a chronic liar and I can't believe a thing that he says, how many of you know that I've already predetermined the kind of relationship and interactions I'll have with him moving forward? All relationships are based on our predetermined belief about a person. So today I wanna ask you, what do you believe about Jesus? What you, be, what you believe about me today will determine whether you, you've already switched off and, and I'm not gonna listen to a single thing that I'm saying or it will predetermine whether you're prepared to receive what I'm about to tell you. Here in the Scripture in Mark chapter 5, we see two people from two different spectrums of society. Here is Jairus and he's a religious leader. He's a, he's a leader of the synagogue. And so he's, he's, a, he's a practiced saint, if you like. He's observed all of the law and uh, he finds himself in a difficult conundrum. And his daughter is uh, ill to the point of death and he is desperate. He would have heard of this Jesus who was real. And so he would have believed in Jesus as, a, as someone who has studied the, the old Torah and the scripture. He would have known that the Messiah was coming. But what he says exposes what he believes about Jesus. So he leaves his house, leaves his dying daughter. What he does exposes the fact that he believes in Jesus. But what he says next, when he throws himself at Jesus' feet, tells us what he believes about him. He says to Jesus, 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 if you were to come to my house and lay hands on my daughter, she will be healed and she will live. It shows us what Jairus believes about Jesus. Today, I wanna ask you, as as you're in the middle of a difficult time, maybe you're in the middle of of an uncertain time, what do you believe about Him? In Mark chapter five, we also see a second character, this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years menstrually, a very debilitating condition. You can imagine how uh, 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 difficult that might have been for her, particularly in the first century where under Jewish tradition, women like that were considered unclean. And, and so she would have also been shunned by society. The Bible tells us that she'd been in this condition for 12 years. She spent all her money and yet she was no better. You can imagine the kind of side effects she would have been experiencing uh, just from all these different potions and things that doctors would have tried on her and still none of it worked. And here is this woman for 12 years, it's highly likely she would have not left her house. So here she was 12 years in lockdown. Some of us in WA, we've been experiencing five days in lockdown and that's enough for us. But this woman was 12 years, probably unlikely to have had her skin seen the light of day. That day she hears Jesus coming down her street. Jesus, Jesus, she would have heard. 
And so she gets dressed. You can imagine her fighting all of her own self-consciousness. What do I wear? I haven't got dressed for 12 years. How do I manage the bleed? What kind of attire do I, do I? And, and yet she fights all of those things and gets out of the house. So what she does tells us that she believes in Jesus, but what she says next exposes what she believes about Him. She says, if, if I could just touch the hem of His garment, I don't even need to talk to Him. If I can just reach out and touch the hem of His garment, I will be healed. See friend, what we believe about Jesus will predetermine our felt reality about Him. Both these people, Jairus and this woman with the issue of blood represent two spectrums of society and that they both experience the reality of Christ in their every day, in their time of need because of what they believed about Him. And so today, Riverview family, I wanna ask you, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Him? There are some learnings here in Mark chapter five that I I wanna go through with you today out of this incredible passage. But the first learning here in Mark chapter five as we see from Jairus and from uh, this woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years is this, that what you believe about Him will determine the conclusions you jump to. What you believe about Him will determine the conclusions you jump to about the situation that you're in right now. How many of you know that we're all conclusion jumpers? We have things that happen and then we start thinking about what is gonna happen at the end of what is happening to us right now. How many of you know what I'm saying? I'm a church pastor and most of the time, we're not counselling people on what is happening to them. We're counselling them about what they think is gonna happen to them because of what's happening to them. Hello. What we believe about Him will determine the conclusions we jump to. See, you can believe in Jesus, but believe wrongly about Him. And when you do, it is highly likely that you're gonna catastrophize the situation that you're in. Whatever you're facing right now, if you have an erroneous belief about who Jesus is, you're gonna jump to conclusions that Jesus never asked you to jump to. In the book of Mark chapter four, a chapter before this account that we were reading in verse 35 to 38, Jesus calls His disciples and He says to them, boys, we're gonna get in a boat and we're gonna sail across to the other side. So He tells them what they're gonna do. He tells them how this is gonna end. While the disciples were in the boat, the Bible tells us that the wind and the waves beat up against the boat. The storm is brewing. Jesus is asleep at the back of the boat. How many of you have ever felt like Jesus is asleep while you're going through a difficult time? I'm, I'm in that place a lot of the time. Come on, Jesus, would you wake up already? I, I need you, right? And so here are the disciples and they're in the boat and they're freaking out because Jesus is sleeping at the back of the boat. They wake Jesus up and say, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that we are dying, that we are perishing? So they've rewritten the conclusion to an account that Jesus has already given of them and saying to them, boys, we're gonna get it into the boat and we're gonna sail across to the other side. See, in that one statement of waking Jesus up and saying that Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? The disciples exposed what they believed about Him. They believed in Jesus. They believed that Jesus was real, but it exposed the fact that they didn't quite believe that Jesus had authority over their storm. So they rewrote the ending to that account. Today, Riverview family, whatever situation you're in, have you started to write conclusions to the narrative of your account that Jesus never asked you to write? Have you jumped to conclusions because of an erroneous belief about Him that Jesus never asked you to jump to? 
My prayer for us in 2021 in a season of uncertainty is that we get on Jesus's page, that we believe rightly about Him, that He is the all-conquering King, that He is all-powerful in our lives, that Jesus is the ultimate healer, that He is the Prince of Peace. So we ought to write the same conclusions that Jesus is already writing in our story and in our storm. Just two chapters later in Mark chapter six, Jesus calls His disciples and says, boys, we're gonna get into the boat again. Just as a bit of a side note, if Jesus ever asks you to go into a boat, Try and avoid it because you know a storm's coming, right? So he says to the guys, guys, I want you to get in the boat and you're gonna sail across to the other side. I'm gonna be up on the mountain praying. This is the second storm. They get in the boat, a storm begins to beat up against the boat. You would have thought that they would have learned from the first storm, but no, the disciples start to freak out again. To make matters worse, Jesus decides to pull the greatest practical joke in the Gospels, he decides, I'm gonna walk on water, see what these boys think. So as the storm was beating up against the boat and the boat is rocking and the disciples are freaking out, Jesus appears walking on water. Only they freak out thinking it's a ghost. So to make matters worse, they think they're gonna die in a storm and they've written that conclusion into their story. And then they thought, now this is not gonna get any worse. A ghost is gonna come in and kill us. 11 guys see the storm as their end to their life and that there's this ghost coming to attack them. One out of the 12 sees Jesus and says, would you call me out? Because I wanna walk on the water with you. I wanna say today, what you believe about Him will determine your response to Him and the conclusions you're gonna jump to in your difficult challenge and trial this year. I wanna encourage you today, if you're here and you're watching this and you're going through a tough time or maybe you're going through an uncertain time, don't write conclusions that Jesus never asked you to write. Jairus had an incredibly difficult situation. His daughter was so ill to the point of death. For those of you that are parents, you can imagine the kind of heartache and the urgency that that uh, posed to him. And here he was, as he comes to Jesus, he he utters the conclusion he comes to because of the belief that he has about him. He says, Jesus, if you were to follow me to my house and you lay hands on my daughter, she is gonna rise up and she will be healed. The woman that was bleeding for 12 years could have, could have written a, a catastrophic end to, to the way that her condition uh, would have led her. And yet she says, if I were to just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I will be healed. Oh, for a church that would have the right conclusions about the difficult situations they're in. I believe that God is raising up churches that have right beliefs, not just in Him, but about Him. Today, I wanna stir in your heart, what do you believe about Him? As the disciples woke Jesus up in Mark chapter four and says, Jesus, 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 don't you care that we are perishing? Jesus wipes the sleep out of His eye because no one likes to be woken up from their nap, including Jesus. And He says to them this very key line, He says, why? Are you so afraid? Wow. I think he was addressing what the disciples were believing about him. Why are you so afraid? What Jesus was saying was this, in life, storms are inevitable, but fear is optional. Because fear ultimately is the outcome of an erroneous belief about who Jesus is. To a believer, fear, if it's present in your life, is an erroneous, it's an outcome of an erroneous belief about who Jesus is. And today I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage in your heart, believe rightly about Jesus. He is on your side. He knows all about what you're going through. The second learning is that what you believe about Him will determine how you respond when someone else gets the miracle 
you need. Here is Jairus. And he, there was the very few more urgent things than to have a dying daughter that potentially could be dead by the time you get home to her. And here is Jairus and he goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, 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 would you come to my house? And he's, he's full of faith. As Jesus is walking, Jesus does something that is so crazy. He actually stops and he says, whoa, hold up, hold up, boys. Who touched me? Even his disciples are going, Jesus, what are you doing? There is something that we understand here in our modern vernacular called triage. How many of you ever heard of triage? Triage is essentially this. It is the assignment of degrees of urgency to wounds, injuries, or illnesses to decide the priority of treatments. So here is this whole situation and Jairus' daughter, who is clearly at the point of death, she takes priority over every other urgent situation. And yet Jesus stops and says, whoa, hold up, boys. I felt power come out of me. It's like, what are you saying, Jesus? I felt power, boys. I need to stop. I need to check it out for a moment, right? If I was Jairus, I'd be, I'd be thinking to myself, Jesus, please don't stop. Do you understand triage? My daughter is the most urgent miracle that is required right now. And yet Jesus stops and tends to this woman with a 12-year bleed. I wanna say this to you, as dire as her situation is, there is a difference between chronic and terminal. And yet Jesus has time for this woman. And as He engages with her and releases her and, and, and tells her that she's healed and all of those sorts of things, you can imagine Jairus stressing out. He's, if I was Jairus, I'd be making all sorts of noises, complaining, saying, Jesus, uh, can you just leave her alone and come to my house right now? Because I get priority. If you were to go in an emergency department right now with a broken collarbone, they'll give you a couple of pills, fill out a form, make you sit and wait for four hours. But if you've got brain injury straight in, right? Hello. That's triage, that's how it works. But Jesus doesn't work that way. He doesn't work that way. Jesus stops and gives this woman the miracle that she needs and Jairus' faith and what he believes about Jesus in that moment is tested. The Bible does not record Jairus ranting and raving and kicking up a stink. In fact, the, the Bible says that Jairus is completely silent. He watches the whole thing, patiently waits for Jesus to do what he does because Jairus, I believe, had the same conviction while he was watching Jesus heal this woman with the issue of blood. Jairus had the same conviction that the same Jesus, when he first approached him and laid at his feet to say, Jesus, if you come to my house and lay your hands on my daughter, she will be healed. It's the same Jesus that is now stopping for somebody else to give her the miracle first. And if you're here right now, and maybe you're saying, Ken, you, don't have, you have no idea. I've been waiting for years to be healed. And yet this other person in church, two months they've been suffering with that same ailment, ailment and suddenly bang, they get their miracle. Or maybe you're saying, Ken, you don't understand. I've been waiting for a partner for a really long time. And I've been praying and I've been fasting, say, God, I, I, I do wanna get married. I do wanna be partnered. And yet my good friend who's many years younger than me just recently got engaged. You don't know how that feels. I wanna say this to you today. Put your faith and trust in Jesus the same kind of faith and trust that you had when you first started to believe in Him and about Him for what your breakthrough was requiring. Jairus was completely silent because it exposed the belief that he had in Jesus. For those of you that don't know our story, we have a 14-year-old son, our youngest boy. He was born with a rare genetic syndrome. And I remember, uh, I've still got photos of him being a, a really 
young child, a, a toddler where we dedicated him to the Lord and we weren't aware at the time of the, the disability that he had and the, the syndrome that he was born with at the time. And, and uh, you know, when, when you dedicate your child, you have all of these, these dreams and these pictures of the future of, 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 of the first speech that he would make in his assembly. And I, I'd imagine myself filming him and, and the nativity scene that he was gonna be a part of at church one day and all of these wonderful awards and merit certificates and all the things that he'd win because, you know, he was gonna be this incredible kid and we're believing for that. And as the years rolled on, it became apparent that he had quite a significant intellectual disability. And as the years rolled on, none of those moments had come. And over those years of pastoring our church, we'd celebrated all the milestones of all the other kids that had been achieving this thing and achieving that thing and liking their their parents' Facebook posts and celebrating everyone else's child. And yet here's our own kid and his miracle is tarrying. And there have been seasons where I've been so tempted to despise not just God, but everyone else for getting the miracle. But I refuse to have an immature belief about Jesus. That the same Jesus who has been in our family, his, his hand is on our family line, is the same Jesus who is still at work in Isaiah's life. And even though the miracle may tarry, I refuse to have an immature belief about my Saviour. I wanna encourage you today. What you believe about Him will determine how you respond when someone else gets blessed. And so if you're here right now and it seems like you're in a stuck place, I wanna encourage you today. Hold on to the belief that He who started a good work in you will be faithful to finish it. I wanna encourage you today that He is the author and finisher of your faith. I wanna encourage you today that He is the God that makes all things work together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So today, what do you believe about Jesus? Maybe your miracle is tarrying, maybe it's, it's delaying. Hold on to faith. The, the Bible tells us of a woman, woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah was barren. She was unable to have children and it was in her heart to bear a son of great significance. She felt that the Lord had spoken to her. And yet year after year, after year, her and her husband, Alkanah, would be, would be, they would be so disappointed because there would be no child. To make matters worse, Alkanah marries a second woman by the name of Panina. Now, Panina was a completely different kettle of fish altogether. She was pumping out babies like she was a rabbit. Hello. Every year she would, she would come up with, a, there'll be a new child born to, to, to Alkanah. So here's Panina. And Panina would rub it in Hannah's face. And yet Hannah would believe rightly about her God. And year after year, she would bow down before the Lord and keep in faith. And the day actually comes where Hannah naturally conceives to Alkanah and she bears Samuel onto the earth. And for those of you that know a bit of your Bible, Samuel becomes the prophet that anoints David, the greatest king of Israel's history. I wanna encourage you today. What do you believe about him? You know, as we began to read Mark chapter five about Jairus and the woman with a 12 year bleed, we read up to uh, verse 34, but we're gonna continue reading now to bring this message into a, a landing space. In Mark chapter five, verse 35, it says this, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in 
and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Just a bit of a side note, don't ever laugh at Jesus because he'll make you look like the fool. It says, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Verse 41, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. The third learning out of Mark chapter five is this. What you believe about Him will determine how you respond when people tell you that there is no hope. Has anyone ever said to you that all hope is gone, you should just forget about it? Your daughter is dead, Jairus. Bother the teacher no more. It's a hopeless deal. Don't be a God botherer. Your marriage will never be restored. It's too far gone. Your son will never come off drugs because you know drug addicts never really recover. Your financial situation, once a bankrupt, always a bankrupt, you'll never be good with money. That chronic illness, you'll always be managing that pain because as far as we know, there's no real cure for it. What you believe about Jesus will determine how you respond when people tell you there is no hope. I don't know about you, but I think that our world is obsessed with hopelessness. They are. If you, if you wanna know what the most Googled topic was in 2020, it was this, coronavirus death rates. I don't know what it is, but I think hopelessness gives people this strange, weird high that, you know, Speaking out in faith doesn't give the same high too. I, I see people all the time wanting to know about the latest and the worst news that is going on. I think uh, bad news spreads far quicker than praise reports. Hello. I think sometimes bad news goes viral far quicker than a great testimony. The reason for that is because we have become so naturally predisposed to the listening to the voice of hopelessness. And so as Jesus was finishing up speaking with this woman and releasing her and said, daughter, your faith has made you well and go and suffer no more. As he's trailing off, immediately these voices come and say, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Bother the teacher no more. And I love Jesus' response in this. Jairus says nothing, still holding on to the faith that this Jesus whom he first said, Jesus, if you come to my house and lay hands on my daughter, she will rise up and will be healed. It's the same Jesus that, that healed this, had the power to heal this woman. And it's the same Jesus that now still has the power to raise his daughter from the dead. And yet Jesus doesn't dignify the doubters and the haters by responding to them. He turns to Jairus immediately and says, Jairus, do not be afraid, only believe. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, Jairus, storms are inevitable, but fear is optional. You keep your eyes on me. You keep believing about me the same thing you believed when you first came and fell at my feet. You still keep believing the same things about me when you stopped and watched me heal this woman with a 12 year bleed. You keep believing in me now as this news of hopelessness has come and hit your ears. Do not be afraid, only believe. You hold on to the right belief about me even though the voice of hopelessness tells you that it's all too late. What are you going through right now? 
that people have told you it's completely hopeless? What are you facing right now that the voice of hopelessness keeps shouting at you that it'll never get any better? What voice keeps shouting at you to tell you that this is as good as it's ever going to get? Maybe in 2021, some of you get a gut feel that you're gonna be facing some situations. You're gonna be heading into some headwinds that it might cause your situation to look a little worse than what it was even last year. I wanna encourage you today, believe rightly about Jesus. Believe rightly about Jesus. I genuinely believe that even through the screen right now, prophetically, there are some of you that are watching right now and God is entering your room. The presence of God is filling that space right now and is refilling your heart and recalibrating your heart to a right belief about Him. Jesus is the Lord of all. He is the Lord over all of your situation. He is the Lord over all of your circumstance. He is, the, he is the Lord that is the ultimate healer. He is the great physician. He is the Lord that provides. He is the Lord that restores. He is the Lord that reconciles. He is the Lord that lifts up. Whatever situation that you're in right now, you need to know that the Jesus that is in your room right now in, in, by way of the presence of the Holy Spirit is the Jesus that conquered death and hell. So there is no situation too dead, too far gone for Jesus. What do you believe? about Him? What do you believe about Him? In 2021, I wanna encourage you today, believe rightly about Jesus. I don't know what your situation is right now, but I am gonna land this by taking some time to pray with you right now. No matter where you're at, I can already sense the atmosphere shifting right where you are. Maybe you're saying, can you... You're touching on something here. I've been someone who often jumps to wrong conclusions. I catastrophize a certain situation. Something might happen to me and I start to think of the worst possible ending to what all it causes me to be sleepless at night. I'm a warrior. I suffer with stress and anxiety and it has exposed an erroneous belief about God. Maybe some others here and, and you're in a season where you feel really stuck and it feels like everyone else is getting favour. Everyone else is getting blessed. Everyone else is getting promotion. Everyone else is getting ahead and it feels like God has forgotten you. It feels like God is tending to everybody else and yet here is your dire situation in need of a miracle, in, in, in desperate need of a breakthrough and God seems to ignore you or tarry. I wanna say this to you today. God is filling your room right now to fill your heart with faith, to continue to have the same faith that Jairus had in the interruption, in the delay, in the sense of feeling stuck. And yet a third, a third group here, uh, the, the, the sense in, in your heart today is that God, God, it feels all so hopeless. It feels all so far gone. It feels all beyond repair. The situation is irreparable and you've, You've, you've made that conversation become a reality in your head. And today the presence of God is filling your room right now to cancel that hopelessness and bring hope again. Jesus is your living hope. Even yet there is another group. I, I just get the sense there, I didn't get a chance to preach into it, but I'm gonna take the next minute or so to, to, to minister into this space is that this woman, this woman would have believed all sorts of things about herself in relation to Jesus. See, she would have understood that society would have labelled her for 12 years unclean, unworthy, dirty, sinful, reject. And so here is this woman, she would have had to have fought all of the issues of identity and worthiness to even come before the presence of the Holy of Holies. She would have believed in Jesus and known all about the Messiah and she would have felt 
even in our own heart, I can imagine why would Jesus want to have anything to do with a dirty woman like me? Some of you have been struggling with this erroneous thinking that you're not worthy to be loved by God, that you're not worthy for Jesus to intervene in your situation, that you, you, you're probably saying, Ken, you have no idea all of the things that I do. I still struggle with this sin issue. I still struggle with that issue. I, I, if you would only know, why would God want to answer my prayer? Why would God want to dignify my faith to believe for a breakthrough when you have no idea the kind of person that I am? I wanna say this to you today. Jesus has dealt with it all at the cross. Right where you are today, Jesus loves you. His presence is filling the room because it's not about you, but about what He's done for you. It's not about your unworthiness. It's about Him making you worthy by grace in Jesus' Name. So right where you are, begin to lift your hands if that's you and you're feeling the sense that God is ministering to you right now. I wanna pray with you. Father, I just thank you right now for right belief in you, Jesus. Father, we don't wanna walk into 2021 and all that this year may hold for us with erroneous beliefs about You. We wanna write the same conclusions that You're writing about our lives. Lord Jesus, we wanna be able to celebrate when someone else gets the miracle. Lord Jesus, we wanna ask You right now, Lord God, to bring hope where there is a sense of hopelessness that we have the gyrus response. And Father God, even so yet, in times of feeling unworthy, that You would even dignify our faith with an answered prayer, with a breakthrough. I pray, Father God, we thank You, Lord God, that You would remind us that it is not our own righteousness, but Yours, and that we are worthy through the lens of the cross. And so, Father God, I pray for every single person in the Review family, locally and abroad, watching this today. I pray, Father God, that You'll correct every erroneous belief about You, that Jesus, You would truly rule and reign in our hearts, that You would reveal Yourself in all of your glory, in all that you are, in all of your reality to us, in Jesus' name. And everyone at Riverview said, amen, amen. Right where you are, can you just give Jesus a big shout of praise right where you are? It's wonderful, so good. Hey guys, I wanna uh, just take the next minute or so, if I may, with great respect, ask you to consider the state of your heart. What we believe about Jesus often starts with us believing in Him. Maybe you're watching this right now and you've never taken the step of faith to believe that Jesus is real, that He is God, that He died and He rose again to wipe away all of your past, to forgive you of all of your sins, to give you a right relationship with your Creator. Or maybe you're watching this today and you wanna recommit your life to God and open up your heart to Jesus again because you've allowed your faith to slide away and Maybe you've walked away from God. It's been a really long time since you've lived with the reality of Jesus in your life. But right now you're feeling something stirring on the inside of you. Maybe you're saying, oh, Ken, I'm an intellectual. You know, I need to think about this. Well, I wanna say this to you today. Jesus is not to be reasoned with. He's to be experienced. And so would you open your heart up today? Because I'm gonna say a prayer. And if you want to, you can pray with me in your heart or aloud to invite Jesus into your life or to Recommit your life to Him. So come on, would you just repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, we thank You that You're real. And Lord Jesus, we thank You that You died and You rose again for me. We ask You to forgive us of all of our sins and wipe away all of our past. And we invite You 
into our lives as our personal Lord and Saviour. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you.